Thank you all, and thank you, Diane. It's really a blessing and honor to be here. Am I too close? Okay. Um, thank you, too, for, for the Women's Committee for inviting me uh, to take a stab at praising the Lord's work in my life. Um, I so appreciate that he's called every woman here um, to be present and glorify him with our fellowship and our prayer, um, our songs. Um, will you just pray with me for a minute? Thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for the beautiful creations you've made in each of us. Thank you for this morning light, for waking us up and providing the time and opportunity to celebrate your goodness today. I ask that you teach us something, little or big, that we can hold on to and apply in our walk with you and in the charge you've given us as sisters, mothers, grandmothers, daughters, friends, whatever roles you've placed us in. Our lives are precious to you especially. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Oh, it's good to be here. I'm a little nervous, <laughs> but, but very happy to be here. Um, so I wanted to title my talk, Walking with Jesus. And um, when I prayed about um, where to take it, I first thought about the story of how I met my husband, Ben, um, because that's a big part of my testimony. Plus, it's long and drawn out and kind of juicy. <laughs> um, but I figured a lot, of, a lot of my friends here have already heard that story, like, more than once. So <laughs> um, I also thought of my experience of becoming and being a mother over the years and how that shaped my walk. But finally, um, the Lord brought me back to something near and dear to me. Um, a topic that I guess I can testify to, um, not because I'm any expert, um, but because it's the story of the life I lead now, and yours too if you're a Christian. So, um, like I said, it's, it's walking with Jesus. Um, and when I thought of that after praying and, and that coming to mind, an old spiritual came to me um, that we used to sing in one of uh, the churches I belong to, and it's called, I Want Jesus to Walk With Me. And so Elizabeth Sorantos and, and the group are going to be singing as, um, at the end of, of the talk. But um, first I'd like to start out by just talking about Jesus, um, who he is to me, um, and how I know I'm walking with him uh, along this pilgrim journey, as the song says. So I hope this resonates with you. And we know what the Bible says about Jesus, that he's called the word of God made flesh, um, that he's Emmanuel, meaning God is with us, God incarnate, the only God whose favor we can't strive our whole lives to earn, um, the one who sought us out in our darkness and sin, um, who came that we might have life, and not just on earth, but eternally. And we know what Jesus himself told Nicodemus in the Gospel of John, um, chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever, meaning anyone, yes, whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him which is why we call him Lord and Savior, right? Um, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. So for me, this was the hardest part about becoming a Christian. 
And for a long time, I walked away from that truth. I believed I could profess my faith so long as I didn't impose it on anybody else. It made perfect sense to me. I mean, why should any of us impose our faith on others? But what I didn't understand was that sin is a human condition. It's universal. We've all got it. <laughs> um, it's something we inherited from Adam and Eve's original sin, which means that regardless of your religion, you need a savior if you desire to know the God who loves you that you can't do enough good deeds or be a good enough person to earn your place in heaven with God or to even have a close relationship with him. Your heavenly father who hates sin because it not only separates you from him, but it hurts you and robs you of true life has been telling you your whole life, I love you, you are mine, and I give you Jesus, my son, who was with me before creation and who knows you like no one else has or ever will. I want my Jesus to be your Jesus. He's standing at the door of your heart, and this is the Father who's speaking to us. He is standing at the door of your heart knocking, and he died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins and the world's sins. He could do this because he had no sin. So you can stop trying to earn my favor and find wholeness elsewhere and believe that the life Jesus gave up for you is more than enough. All you can do is put your trust in him, in me, and not your own understanding. Believe in him, ask him to forgive you, and he will live in your heart, lead you, care for you, take away your shame, heal your brokenness, make you a new creation, give you eternal life, and clothe you in righteousness. Amen. Yes. Amen. So I know, uh, we all know this. Some of us know this, but not everyone does, and we all need to be reminded of that. And the Lord put it on my heart. You know what? It doesn't hurt to share the gospel again and again and again. So praise the Lord. <laughs> um, when I'm tempted to forget my identity in Christ and my inheritance and forget the work that the Lord has already accomplished for you and for me, I come back to these promises. Jesus, for me, really is the way, the truth, and the life. Ever since I asked him to show me the truth, um, though, as God of the oh, though as God of the universe he didn't have to, he opened my heart and showed me who he is. I am the truth, he said. I remember asking. I remember saying, you know, Lord, what, what is true? What is the truth anyway? And I remember him answering me, I am the truth. And of course, it's in the word, but I remember feeling that in my heart. I am the truth, he said, and I've been walking with him ever since. So I'm sure you're wondering, when's she going to start talking about walking? <laughs> when are we going to get to the walking part? Um, well, speaking of walking, I couldn't resist Googling a few facts about walking itself. Um, lots of info, basically the same conclusion. No one knows exactly what mental, physical, genetic mechanisms work together to motivate our bodies, whether human or animal, to tell us it's time to walk. Um, for humans, there's lots of preparation for it as we learn to roll and crawl, of course, so some babies hardly do that. Um, and the main criteria is practice, practice, practice. 
Um, some of us just feel like walking um, before others, and once we decide to do it, we just have to fall down a lot, get back up again, and the countdown to walking be begins. So um, I have a little YouTube clip <laughs> that I wanted to show you. It's from Sesame Street, which I still love. Um, <laughs> Can you hear the sound? Okay. He's learning to walk. <laughs> He's walking. Whoops. <laughs> He's not doing very well. I beg to differ. <laughs> She's walking very well. Now they're walking really well. Yeah, but they're a lot older. The older you get, the better you learn to walk. They make it look easy. But just remember how they started. about physical walking is that nobody can do it for you. We can only have so much assistance from mom or dad and the goal is independence. But it seems like the longer I've walked with Jesus, the more I realize I need him. Every hour, just like the song goes. I'm like my son Benny in this picture. And do we have, do we have this one? Okay. Um, who came to us after a long and complicated labor that ended in a C-section um, and placed him at Boston Children's before I could hold him. He and I were recovering at the same time, and that day was the first day that I could hold and, and nurse him. Um, before that, I had to pump for my room at Winchester, and Ben would drive it over to him. Um, still, they released me a little too early, so I ended up in the ER at Boston Children's. <laughs> which was kind of funny. Uh, not at the time, though. Um, even our first few weeks at home, I was so weak I couldn't make it to the grocery store and remember having to sit down um, a bunch. The whole experience was awful, really, except for the fact that it brought me closer to God and more appreciative than ever that we could at least bring him home after a few days. Um, our hearts really went out to all those families, and some of you may have experienced this, where you had little ones in the NICU for months at a time. Um, so we were, we were blessed, but I, I just landed on this picture because, you know, at that time, I was so dependent on God for every ounce of energy I had. Um, ben was totally dependent on me. Um, and, you know, there's Anna looking on, and she was feeling sad that we were going through that. But uh, the whole ordeal just, um, I remember at the time, it took me months to get over. I even shared, Jane, I remember sharing this with you, didn't I? Um, but it took me months to get over because I just didn't expect the outcome to be what it was. I had so planned a natural birth, and then I had, you know, it took hours and hours. I mean, 
a, a whole day or something, had a couple of misdiagnoses, never felt like I was in control of anything, had the C-section, you know, lost too much blood, and you know, when they sent me home too early, it was like one thing after another, just domino. And I remember just breaking down one day and yelling at Ben, because uh, I couldn't get, I was trying to make mashed potatoes, and I couldn't get the potatoes to, to cook or something, and I'm like half falling over here, and anemic, and I, I just, I remember screaming at him like, uh, you know, uh, I was just, I just felt powerless, because uh, here I couldn't even nurse my own child, you know, but, um, but in that time I just remember um, clinging to the Lord um, every step of the way, and, and there have been other trials too. Um, I suffered from anxiety um, off and on for the past 18 years or so, um, and I'll never forget the first time I really felt panicked. I was in college. Um, I just finished my junior year abroad in Spain, and the days leading up to my flight home, I kept feeling this overwhelming dread. Um, see, I'd had a fairly successful career as a high school student. I was classical piano major at this arts magnet school. I was junior class president, had good grades, and like a spe uh, state speech and forensics champ. Nerd, but I thought I was cool. Um, <laughs> And, um, and I even volunteered at nursing homes from time to time, wherever I could, because I, I had a passion for volunteering. But um, those were also the days when I didn't believe in imposing my faith on anyone. Um, those were the days when you know I thought I was a Christian, but all of my confidence was in me, um, in being an individual, um, in being successful like um, my mom, uh, who was a doctor, or my dad, um, who'd been an engineer and had like you know, five degrees or something. Um, but meanwhile, I was feeling lonely. I had lost um, my grandmothers, who I was very close to. Um, just wasn't connected uh, with my parents very much in that season of my life. And um, my brother had gotten kicked out of the house because he had a real troubled relationship with them, too. And I um, started sneaking out. And I fell into my first intimate relationship. Um, and it definitely wasn't my last. Um, it wasn't until the summer after Spain um, that I came to faith in the only one that could fill that emptiness. Um, I had a friend who sat me down at a Waffle House one day, and I just drilled her with questions, um, you know, the, the big God questions, you know. Um, she used to ask me, when I was in Spain, she used to email me, Joy, how are you and God doing? I used to get so mad when she'd send me these emails, like, who are you to ask me about how am I and God, you know? That's where I was. I thought, I go to church just like you. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Christian. Why is she asking me, how are you and God? For some reason, that always offended me. So she sat me down at this Waffle House, and we're talking. Um, you know, she, I, I asked, what about all the other religions? What about homosexuals? What about the pygmies? You know, um, and her answer to my every challenge was, ask God. Just ask God. Um, and, of course, she sent me to his word. And I had to confront the truth for who he was and Fortunately for me at that time, God prepared my heart. He opened my eyes. I mean, at any other time, had I read the word and not been able to receive it, it would have just been words. It just would have been the scripture like it always had been. But in that moment, um, he opened my heart to receive him. And, um, you know, I wasn't cured of anxiety right away. 
Um, in fact, it followed me into my 20s, and I still deal with it from time to time. But um, in fact, I, just one other thing with the anxiety, I remember um, commuting back and forth between grad school and home, like Kentucky and, and Florida. Um, and the highway was always the roughest spot for me, like driving down the highway in my little old Corolla, um, which felt like you were going 100 miles an hour, even if you're only going 40 miles an hour. <laughs> and um, I would get so tense. I mean, nothing's going on. I'm just, it, it's a normal drive. Weather's fine, no clouds, nothing. And I'm just as tense as can be. And, um, and I remember the passage um, in Corinthians where um, Paul says, you know, Lord, take this thorn from me. And God says, let my grace be sufficient. And you know this, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. And if there was ever a time when I felt the reality of that, it was in those moments when he was driving the car, when I was like this, worried I'm going to crash into something. I felt so intense, so tense. Um, that I, it was like the Lord was driving, keeping me safe, you know, because I had prayed for healing, but God wasn't ready to heal me just yet, and I didn't understand why, you know, as the years passed, I didn't understand why aren't you taking away this anxiety, um, but I realized that if it weren't for that anxiety, I wouldn't have been on my knees day in and, and day out when I dealt with it, and I was going through the panic attacks and whatnot, um, I wouldn't be as close to him today had I not had that. Um, and it's not to say that it's um, a blessing, but in a sense, you know, you know that our crosses can be blessings, that our suffering um, can be a blessing if it brings us to dependence on him. Um, so we also depend on his grace um, in our relationships. Um, you know, when I... Um, graduated from um, University of Florida just before I got my thesis, um, I got pregnant with, with Anna and I wasn't married yet. And the same thing had happened to my brother and so my parents were devastated. Um, and I was in a place where um, even though I had professed my faith, I wasn't walking the walk. And I remember being so ashamed, but the night I found out I was pregnant, I got a word from the Lord. I was ashamed. Um, I just, I didn't want to face my parents. I didn't want to face um, my family. Um, but I remember the Lord giving me a verse that said, children are a blessing from the Lord. You know this. Um, an inheritance and a reward from him, and I couldn't believe it. Um, but he carried me through that pregnancy. Um, he told me that no, I shouldn't marry her father. Um, he told me he wanted me to raise her, even though I considered adoption at first, never thought about abortion, but I did honestly think, you know what, two parents can do a better job than I can with this. I'm just, I can't, I can't do it. Um, but he said, no, I want you to raise her. Um, and he led me down that path, and, and I remember um, just really feeling like, Joy, now it's time to walk the walk. You can't just say you're Christian, you know. It's time to walk the walk. Um, and maybe I didn't really fully realize that then, um, but that's what the Lord was going to have me do through um, my journey with Anna. And... Um, 
And over the years, um, with my other two as well, um, and all of you can attest to this um, as parents or um, caregivers, you know, there are just those times when you're on your knees um, because you know that you're at your limit, you know that you don't have anything left, um, and you know that your love is pretty imperfect and you need his love to carry you through. And so um, where our love has limits, his love of course does not. And um, his grace sustains our daily walk um, as moms, as parents, as caregivers. Um, right now, I'm caring for my um, my dad, who's ailing as well. Um, and I, you know, that relationship, as I said, with my parents over the years was kind of strained. Um, and you know, there were times when I when I wished that that they could give um, an expression of more unconditional love to me growing up. I I, I wished for that. I longed for that. Um, but I remember, I think it was a visit um, not too long ago when Mom was here. We'd had a rough time. Uh, it was a Christmas vacation, and after she had left, I was I was sitting in church wearing the sweater that she'd given me, and. I suddenly had this feeling as I was looking down at my sweater that this is the way that my mom has always tried to love me. She's always clothed me. She's always, she's a giver. You know, that's her love language. She's a, she's a giver. Um, she may not have always told me that she loved me. She may not have always shown it. Um, she may not have always been around uh, the way that I would have hoped because she was so busy. But she set an example for me. She was so hard, she is so hardworking. Um, my father too. and. The healing that the Lord has done in my heart, I just, I can't tell you what amazing things he does when you just ask him to heal you. And how the way I see my parents now, it's, um, it's so different. I don't, all that, whatever hurt I had before, it's gone. I, I say to them now in my heart, everything you gave me was enough and more than enough because, you know, God loves you as you are. He loved us when we were sinners. He knew that they were giving everything they could when they gave it, you know? And I would never want to say to them now, what you gave me, it wasn't enough because I've been healed um, in my heart and that's all God, you know? Um, <clears throat> sometimes I lose my breath when I'm talking. But um, I just praise him for that. So um, we depend on his grace for, um, for our love for each other and to enact, out, um, enact that forgiveness toward one another. Um, walking with Jesus also means that we have the desire to be led by him. So I talked about dependency a little bit. Um, I thought about desire and how important it is um, that we just desire to be led in the first place. And so... Um, I love this picture because um, this is my um, Aunt Tanya, who was kind of a spiritual mentor to me. She was kind of like a second mom to me growing up. And, uh, and little Anna there, um, Tanya helped me out a lot with Anna when I came back from, um, you know, University of Florida when I was doing the single parent thing um, for a few years. And I, I, I did a doctorate for a couple of years at um, University of Kentucky which was a crazy thing to pursue as a single parent, let me tell you. Oh, 
Um, but she was, uh, she was there for me, and she was there for Anna. Um, and I think about how um, Anna loved loved her so much. Um, she's not, she's still here, but you know, being in Kentucky, we don't see her as often, but she just had, this is a perfect picture of her, you know, just desiring to be led, um, to be held by Tanya and to kind of take her instruction, you know, um, and Tanya too, who, um, just as always an example of um, Christ's love um, in my life. You know, she, um, she's someone who um, never got married herself, but who has many a child of her own. Um, Barbara, I think about you and how, <laughs> um, and how loving you are to so many of the children. And, you know, um, it's a beautiful thing to witness and to, to have a person like that in your life. He always covers us, you know. Um, so Tanya used to tell me one of the one of her little um, bits of wisdom was um, when I would take swimming lessons. I used to be terrified of jumping in that deep water, you know. Um, and she used to always sing this song for me. She used to say, "Nothing is impossible when you put your trust in God." And she used to say, "Now, Joy, you get out there on that diving board, and you know, you look down in the deep water. You just remember nothing." It's impossible. And so I get out there and I, you know, look down. I was terrified, but you know, there would be this the swim teacher's arms, like big, wide open arms waiting to, to uh, receive me. And uh, it's like the Lord, right? <laughs> He's waiting for, our, for us to jump in. Um, but yeah, so she was always an encouragement. Um, is Jesus Lord of. <clears throat> your life. So um, one of the ways we can understand this is by recognizing our need to be led, as I said. Um, and that does tie in with the grace that I brought up. Um, I think about Zacchaeus and how nothing stopped Zacchaeus from climbing that tree as stumpy as he was and crying out to Jesus. Um, Jesus heard him. Um, God rewards our faith and our seeking him out by growing it with each passing trial. Isaiah 55, 6 through 7 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call to him while he is still near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will freely pardon if we haven't come to the Lord, we have everything to lose. And if we have, we waste so much time being sorry, um, but running from him and avoiding just bowing down and confessing the sin um, that weighs so heavily on us. Um, we know his mercies are new every morning. We'll know that he'll forgive if we only confess. Um, even when we're tired of ourselves or our own failures, or especially when we're self-assured and forgetful that we need him, we do. <laughs> um, Charles Stanley once said that there's just no reason why we can't make time for him in the morning and at night just to praise him, thank him, seek his guidance and provision. Um, it's like this humble awareness that I am not the father. You know, that's like, I thought about that for some reason. I thought about Maury Povich. You are not the father. <laughs> Just remember, I am not the father. You are, you are not the father, but, but we have access 
to him and can approach him with confidence, um, as Ephesians 3, 11 through 12 um, and 17 through 19 tells us. And I wanted to just read that. Um, you're welcome to look in your Bibles, too, if you'd like. But this is from Ephesians 3. Uh, okay. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. So in him and through him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Um, and then in verse 17 through 19, it says, um, <clears throat> actually starting at 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, <laughs> I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So, of course, when Jesus says to remain in him as well, we know that without him we can do nothing and we can't, cannot bear fruit. Um, if we pray unceasingly, that is to remember him in our comings and goings, meditate on his word and promises, have faith that he is listening, and be patient for him to do his work in us, we will not be disappointed. We will be renewed every day by the power of his presence, a presence, of course, that we need. Um, so I just say that maybe if you haven't, ask God to fill you with the desire to be led um, to, to be led by him, of course. And I think, you know, as you can probably attest to, um, sometimes it takes that falling and it takes that, um, that catastrophe to bring us to our knees, right? Um, in those trials and tribulations, our desire to be led grows even further. As we lose our confidence at times, our desire to be led for him, led by him grows even further. Um, so what else? Um, have dedication to your destination. And this is the last point I'm making as you walk with the Lord. And so here's Isaac. <laughs> He's four now, but I guess he was about two or three in this picture. Um, so proud of his little artwork, his little creation here. <laughs> um, so Isaac is four now and really proud of the things that he's learning and doing. Um, writing his name, letters and numbers, reciting his letter sounds, counting to 22. <laughs> um, and I thought this photo was a sweet depiction of what it is to be dedicated to your work. Um, 
When Jesus' disciples asked him what they must do to do the works God requires, he answers in John 6.29, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And he continues by saying that he is the bread come down from heaven that gives life to the world. Again, the grace of his provision. We need him, not that we don't do good works for him, but that his spirit empowers us, of course, to do anything good that we do. Um, and anything good that we do, we do for his glory, and it is by his grace and power, which is, of course, infinite. Um, Psalm 44, 6 through 8 says, I do not trust in my bow, my sword does not bring me victory, but you give us victory over our enemies. In God, we make our boast all day long. And I wanted to land um, lastly in uh, Philippians 3. And you're welcome to open um, to Philippians if you'd like. And I want to read verses 12 through 16 and 20 through 21 because this is all about dedication to our destination. And we see Paul in prison here. Um, okay. And I need my glasses again. <laughs> Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Um, it's just such a, it's so, so true. That's where we are. Um, And then in 20 through 21, he says, Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Um, I just want to encourage you this morning to remember that you are not on your own. That you are that you are not your own. I'm sorry. You are not on your own either. <laughs> you are not on your own. That you were bought at a price. And that's one of my absolute most favorite scriptures. Because, you know, there are times when we go through life and we forget that we don't belong to ourselves even that we are daughters of God the Father, and we have an inheritance that we share with Jesus Christ, his son, um, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, 
and that in Jesus Christ we've been set free, that really we are free indeed, and that it's not our inability, but his ability. It's not about our inability, but about his ability. If ever you doubt, remember how blessed you are to know him. While Jesus wept over the city of Jerusalem, and we were studying this in our um, in this Bible study I'm a part of, Joan knows. <laughs> um, this week we were studying, uh, we've been studying Matthew, and there was a reference to Jesus um, crying over the city of Jerusalem, you know, where he had been persecuted, and um, the Pharisees and the chief priest and um, so many who had rejected him. Um, were there and he said if you even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace but then he counted Peter blessed because Peter says to Jesus you are the Christ the son of the living God he counted Peter blessed for the father had revealed that to him so you know when when, whenever we're, I guess, tempted to feel sorry for ourselves, um, we can remember the richness that we have uh, in just knowing the truth. It's an amazing, amazing blessing. Do you ever just wonder, why me? You know, do you ever wonder, like, how in the world are all of the people here or those of you that have come to faith and have taken that step do you ever wonder, how in the world did I get here, God? You know, it's just an amazing blessing to know him, to know him and to walk this life with him. How could we do it any other way? How could we do it without him? And he gives us new hearts, clean hearts, a new identity, freedom, eternal life, all his riches and glory. It's amazing. Um, so you are blessed beyond measure if you should ever doubt. Not because you deserve to be, but because you asked him to come into your heart and because he loved you, because he chose you. If you haven't accepted the Lord, will you pray with me today? Uh, there's no time like the present <laughs> to receive that boundless grace. So, Father in heaven, I just um, I thank you so much for the opportunity um, to be here today um, with all these wonderful women who have come to um, be in your presence, um, be with one another, worship you, um, celebrate your truth. Lord, I just pray that um, if there's anyone here who you're calling to know you uh, as Lord and Savior, I pray that you would move them to take that first step, to ask for your forgiveness, which you will willingly give, um, and your grace, which you will willingly provide. Um, and I pray, Lord, that if anyone is here bound by... Um, by anything they're not able to express, Lord, I pray that you would set, set them free. And I ask this in Jesus' name. We give you all the praise and all the glory forever and ever.